This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of Everyone is Hot, the podcast that talks about your favorite stealth sex symbols and the film that turned you on to them. I am Michael Stevens. And I am Shelley Brooks. Oh, Michael, we've got a really exciting episode today. Holy fucking shit. Ooh, it's going to be good. We are elated for today's (laughs) guest author of Ivyland and True False and Rolling Stone staff writer, Miles Clee, everyone. Yes. Oh, children, give it up, give it up. (laughs) So polite. They are very well-mannered. We are so so happy to have you, Miles. Thank you so much for coming. Hi, hi. You're so welcome. I'm happy to be here. I was going to say I'm ready to get horny, but the children clapping and cheering just... (laughs) This doesn't seem appropriate. Yeah, it's, it's it's a little confusing. <laughs> slight damper on it. We have the children leave the room. Children, get out. Right. We're yeah. be talking about things that are for sure. adults only. All right. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Have a nice night. Anyway, right. What were you saying about being horny? Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm ready to get into it. I'm ready to oh, good. Okay, be turned great. on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, I will say I am already very turned on by your choice. Like this is one that I've been waiting to do for a long time. I am oh, so wow. excited that you picked this stealth sex symbol. So tell us, Miles, who are we going to be talking about and what film are we going to focus on? Uh, we are going to talk about the one and only Madeline Kahn um, and specifically mm. her scene stealing turn in Young Frankenstein by Mel Brooks. Yes. The 1974 Mel Brooks classic Young Frankenstein, which, to be honest, is chock full 
of potential everyone is hot choices oh, here. Oh my yeah, god, we got wrong. Cloris Leachman, we got friggin' Peter Boyle. Uh yeah. and I, I mean, will say, um, before we started this podcast, before I'd even introduced this idea of doing this podcast to Michael, I'd been thinking about this for years, in part because I had such a crush on Marty Feldman and all my friends made fun of me for it. <laughs> so I was like, we gotta do a podcast about this because surely there are other people out there. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta do it well i assume most people listening to this show have seen young frankenstein i think it's a pretty ubiquitous comedy um but michael in case anyone has not seen it could you tell them what young frankenstein is about uh i mean as this is my second time watching this movie um within recent history i'd be delighted um so an American grandson of the infamous scientist drug struggling to prove that his grandfather was not as insane as people believe is invited to Transylvania, where he discovers the process that reanimates a dead body. Oh, not bad. I'll take no, it. Not bad. Not bad at all. This was a good uh, this was a good synopsis. IMDb, IMDb contributor. User. <laughs> um, Thank you for this. <laughs> yeah, we normally like do 15 minutes where we dunk on IMDb as a concept and all the people that volunteer to write synopsis because uh, sometimes they're really not that good. But this one was uh, this one was good. It was good. And it's hard to summarize a movie that is mostly gags. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> they got the outline and that's all you need. And the rest of it, it's all just yeah. bits, baby. So I actually, I saw something on somewhere in my feed, a piece of trivia that was basically like, they had so much fun shooting this, that Gene Wilder was like, hey, let's do, let's keep doing more bits. Uh, let's yeah. just keep, let's yeah, just can keep we add going. some more scenes? <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. Oh my gosh. I love it. Well, we will get more into the specifics of this movie in just a moment, but Miles, before we get into our main conversation... We want to make sure that we're a little warm, mm -hmm. that we're a little lubed up, and we like to do that with something we call the sexy trivia game. Michael, what is the sexy trivia game? Well, 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 it's a little game, little pieces of trivia to get y'all listeners, uh, Ready to talk about movies for about uh, 30, 30 minutes. <laughs> I will uh, kick us off when Gene Wilder leans in to kiss Madeline Kahn goodnight in her bedroom. Her last second quip, no tongues, was ad-libbed by Kahn. Mm, it's funny and practical. Yeah. He never saw that coming. No, not at all. Ooh, I love a lips-only kiss. <laughs> lips close together, faces pressed against each other. That's hot. Ooh, Miles, do you want to give us number B? Madeline Kahn asked Mel Brooks if she could sing Ah, Sweet Mystery of Life. Instead of the opening lines of Cheek to Cheek, Heaven, I'm in Heaven, as was originally scripted, she felt it had to be a song that started with Ah, or Oh. Mm, and what a great insight she had there. I love her orgasmic, ah, in that scene. And I'm going to finish us off with number C. 
Mel Brooks asked costume designer Dorothy Jenkins to have Madeline Kahn show as much cleavage as they could get away with in 1974. Ironically, they got away with much more in 1931 than in 1974, because at that time they hadn't enforced the motion picture production code yet. Hmm. I keep forgetting yeah, that there were like they weird fruits rules. back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I am I'm a bit curious about this piece of trivia because I don't think that the code really had much power in 1974 because it was it was starting to break down like the late 1960s. So, I would have to ask whatever IMDb user where they sourced this trivia. But, you know, I put it in anyway because I tried to do all Madeline Kahn related trivia. <laughs> And I wanted to talk about her cleavage. So, mm. <laughs> I, th- I think Very the other good. actress is showing more cleavage in this movie, honestly. Yeah. Oh, no, honestly. Sure. I mean, like, the tits, the tits abound in this film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so much respect to Mel Brooks because, oh you, my Mel. God. <laughs> Thank you, Mel. <laughs> Thank you, Mel, for the melons. We love it so much. Now, Miles, this was an amazing choice. Why Madeline Kahn and why specifically Madeline Kahn in this movie? So I still remember the first time I ever watched this movie um, because it was, I, I went to this kind of crummy like YMCA day camp uh, in the summers and when it rained, they would just like put us all in like a rec center and wheel out the, you know, the substitute teacher TV <laughs> and put on a movie. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one time the counselor puts on Young Frankenstein and, you know, when your kids, uh, uh, when they see that it's like a black and white movie, they're like, oh, boo, it's boring. Yep. <laughs> and, um, the counselor is like, no, 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 just just hang on for a second. Hang on. You're going to love this. And of course, you know, uh, once Mel Brooks gets going, the, you know, the kids are having a blast. Um, so, yeah, you get this you get this whole first scene uh, establishing, you know, uh, young Frankenstein, Gene Wilder and all that. And then he's he has to go to Transylvania. And it's this. I feel like this this scene is like really etched in my mind. It's like Madeline Kahn's first scene, and um, she's like just beautifully done up uh, to the nines, like rich girl, um, mm-hmm. sort of like, uh, and and she's and she's just like untouchable in the scene. Like he keeps trying mm-hmm. to say goodbye to her, and she's like, <laughs> "No, the hair, no, oh, the lips, oh, my nails." Um, Top it, darling. Yeah, and I just um, I don't know. Maybe that was the start of my. Um, uh interest in i guess we would have called them high maintenance women back in the day mm-hmm. mm. um <laughs> i i i loved that she was sort of this like um yes yeah, sort of this like perfect image but it was uh but she had all these like very hard boundaries um uh, <laughs> and that you were like not really worthy of of touching her in any way um that it was i guess it was a sort of dominance too that she had over gene wilder which was just really fun to watch and i was like hmm I think there might be something to that. I love that. And I do love that, like, the movie, I mean, so many movies, like, very earnestly set up this kind of, like, earthy woman versus the high-maintenance woman dynamic. And I love how the movie plays with that, where you've got her being like, Taffeta, darling, don't touch me too closely. And then you've got Terry Garvey like, roll, roll, roll in yeah. the head. <laughs> <laughs> you've got these two, like, archetypes, and they both, like, embody them so beautifully. And, I mean, something we can get into later is how originally I, I think the roles were reversed and when they were auditioning that uh that terry gar was supposed to play madeline khan's role i think and that madeline khan was oh, supposed wow. to be uh, inga so yeah 
but yeah, she does really embody so beautifully that kind of like uptight sort of like prissy character and has done that in so beautifully in so many movies. But so do you remember how old were you when you when you saw that? I must have been yeah, like 11 or 12, something like that. Wow. Yeah. And did you recognize at the time that like you had like a like a crush on this person or was it just no, like No, I mean, oh, I was I was person. certainly like uh no, I was like sort of a late bloomer. Um so mm-hmm. I didn't really get um, I mean, I just loved the movie overall and certainly mm-hmm. like the more obvious jokes of like, you know, what knockers and all that kind of stuff. Are, oh, like, my God. Are pretty <laughs> thrilling for a kid for like a um, a kid who is discovering that he's about to be a straight man. Um, and yeah. Then, <laughs> but yeah, I guess I guess I guess I was like, you know, um, you know, more subconsciously like into, into the kind of restraint and um, uh, kind of like uptightness that that Madeline displays, especially because like later on in the movie, you see, she kind of just like throws that totally overboard <laughs> and, you know, gets to be kind of like Bride of Frankenstein. And, and it's so fun, like uh, so funny this year in that way too. Like I love, like I've always loved like women who make silly faces and she's just making so many great faces by the <laughs> yeah. end of this movie. Oh, the queen of mugging. Oh, she's so good. Well, it's so funny not to, you know, dig in too deeply uh too soon uh you know we've just started but uh it's funny that you phrase it uh discovering that you're going to be a straight man <laughs> so i mean was that something that you found like in sort of like your journey of you know watching movies and finding that you had these crushes and stuff was that something that that you really felt that you were like consciously recognized was your attraction to women specifically well when i was when i think i, I think at the same time that i was discovering movies like these um, I also did have a real world crush on a girl named Madeline, as it happens. Oh my god! Uh, I also my current partner is also named Madeline, goes by Matt. No. What? Um, Amazing. So I don't know. I don't know what was happening there. I, I don't think I knew like who what Madeline Kahn's name was at the time, so I don't really connect those two exactly. But <laughs> but at the same time, I had this I had this crush on this girl, and she was uh, really into like theater. And Mm -hmm. I think uh, I started getting, I became a theater kid because I was like, oh, this is how you get close to um, uh, girls. And like, I can uh, thousand percent validate that girls who um, girls who like, I don't know, like to sing and dance and like mug for the camera and stuff. You know, she was very (laughs) funny. Like my crush was very funny too. Um, And then then I, I, for the next, I don't know, 10 years or something, I was a big time theater kid. And, you know, I ended up being pretty good at it, but it was always like, it always originally with this intent of like, well, my crush is doing it. So I kind of want to be in the same club. <laughs> yep. Yep. Wow. I love that. And I, I think that there is something interesting that like there, it's a, a relatively rare phenomenon. Uh, well, maybe not, but I don't know. I, I, I'm very interested by like straight men who are into the women that uh, gay men tend to love, like, which, yeah. you know, where they tend to be, you know, the ones who are like good at mugging and they're funny and they're confident uh, and like and that is rich. Yes. I, th- there <laughs> you go. Yeah. So, so so do you find that oftentimes the women that you find attractive are the ones that like gay men are also drawn to? Uh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that that extends even to my music taste, so. Oh, really? Go on. <laughs> oh, no. I I think I post a lot about like uh Marina and Lana Del Rey and and oh, yes. um, those kinds of those kinds of acts um 
the the really obvious choice that I like didn't want to suggest for the show because it's like everyone agrees that she's a sex symbol is like Marissa Tomei and my cousin Vinny is like that's a, responsible yeah. you know, sexual <laughs> awakening, of course. Um, and yeah, I, I the I never really got um, I don't know the convent like the conventional leading lady was not ever really doing it for me. Like mm-hmm. you know, at, at least when I was. Let's say, like, when I'm 14, I would probably watch Cruel Intentions for the first time, and you're like, I'm not into Reese Witherspoon, I'm into Sarah Michelle Gellar, because she's mean. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that has a kind of, like, comedy to it, too, right? Like, she gets to mm. she gets to have fun in the movie. And I think I think when you, when you watch Madeline in this movie, or any movie she does, you're like, you see someone who's having a ton of fun doing the part, and that's a turn-on, maybe. And I do think it is interesting because, I mean, something uh, like a note that I made for myself as I was like, I mean, I've seen this movie five million times, but I was, you know, rewatching some scenes to refresh. And I, pardon me, was thinking about the fact that, you know, when I watched this as a teenager, I I really was drawn to Terry Garr because I think that I had a, an idea in my head as a teenage girl of like what it is to be like a a sexy woman and it was much more the Terry Garr model and I think that like as I've gotten older I've been so much more drawn to Madeline Kahn and like we talked about this in in Clue as well we did a previous episode about Clue that I was so drawn to like Miss Scarlet when I was a kid because I was like that's what a sexy woman is supposed to look like and now I watch it and I see Madeline Kahn in that movie and I'm like oh my god she's so sexy she's so funny she's so confident like it, it's really interesting that even like as a kid that you you were attracted to to that kind of femininity, that kind of woman, because I think that it took me getting older and more mature to to recognize that like a woman could be that full that full funny thing and not just like the sex symbol kind of thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, I love when she does. Um, uh, I guess I, I probably watch Blazing Saddles around the same time as this. And then it, oh, it's yeah. really funny how she subverts that in in that movie because she is supposed to be the sex symbol in that but she's just like bored of it she's like already over <laughs> the fact that she's hot uh and just putting in it's like the go girl give us nothing like she's just like giving zero effort and that itself is really hot because she just doesn't give a fuck right. um so yeah she does it so many different ways and it, it is always such a treat yeah, and, and I think that that's another one where it seems like in all of her collaborations with Mel Brooks, she's playing this kind of like burlesque on femininity almost. Because, I mean, she's playing yes. this like very exaggerated like Marlena Dietrich. And like Marlena Dietrich is already, you know, a kind of like campy over the top figure. Like, again, going back to like the kinds of women that gay men tend to love. Like, <laughs> yeah, it is really I think it's very fascinating that she always seems to be operating on these like multiple levels where she's both playing it kind of straight and like playing these tropes but then she's also doing like a sort of like meta commentary on on yeah the framing of women in these movies love it yeah in a way that's very very funny um but yeah so so if you were originally like into the movie itself and maybe didn't recognize that you know there was like a crush aspect to it do you remember when in your like encounters with like Madeline Kahn as a performer that you recognize like oh, this is someone that I find attractive. Hmm. Um, you know, I guess I guess I watched those movies and then uh, Clue would have been one that I watched. It, it seems mm-hmm. to be one of those things that was always on 
when you came home it's from school like there was <laughs> you were already like halfway through clue and comedy central yeah. and you'd always watch that and yeah i uh you know when uh this is gonna be a fun another funny one. i mean she's the she's the she's the one in clue who's like you know killed all her ex-husbands right <laughs> yeah <laughs> also hot also hot <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah i don't know i don't know what it is about uh maybe it's the sense of danger that's yeah. that's also related to like um uh you know not being you know getting in trouble if you were to like mess up her hair or something <laughs> um i like to be kept on my toes so i think i think i watched um i think i probably watched clue after school a whole whole lot and at yeah. you know th- I, I did mention my theater kid career, and I think these, <laughs> all of these were movies that you ended up watching at like cast parties and stuff. They were mm-hmm. a very big <laughs> yeah. hit for those. Yes. Um, so yeah, flames on the side of my face. It's just like it's it's it is one of the funniest things ever put in a movie, and I don't yeah I don't know where it came from or how ad libbed or scripted it was, but it is it it is funny that that the the thing the thing she's sort of describing in that scene actually does get seared into your brain because it's so funny and so perfectly done um and yeah and you're just like wow i can't i can't stop can't stop thinking about how good that is yeah absolutely and it is really interesting like looking at going back to young frankenstein the sort of like company of players that mel brooks worked with again and again like she did so many movies with him and it is really exciting that to see like a comedy director like him like a sort of like comedy impresario who has these women performers like a Madeline Kahn and really just like lets them like let it rip that they're not playing the straight man like they are they've got their own comedic persona and are really you know going for like hard jokes it's so good yeah even down to the way in this movie I was losing it uh just re-watching it last night just just the way she's like brushing her hair cracks me up. <laughs> yeah, so she's like singing. Yeah, <laughs> just flipping it around and and like it is it is again one of those like two sided things because on the one hand she's doing a, a super exaggerated singing like nobody brushes their hair like that that's crazy, <laughs> but then it does draw your attention to like wow her hair is beautiful <laughs> like right full like like leonine like curly head of hair and you're like she's gorgeous and you cannot like you cannot separate the two things like just being a complete goofball and then like (laughs) but she's so hot that is one of the interesting things that we found that comes up a lot on this podcast is that especially when we're looking at like you know male performers versus female performers that um, are chosen as like the stealth sex symbol uh, oftentimes the women that we talk about are people that you would consider to be sort of like classically beautiful in a way that some of the male performers that we talk about, you know, might be a little more quirky looking. And like, you know, Madeline Kahn is like a, a classically beautiful woman. So, I mean, I, th- I think it was an interesting choice because I completely understand choosing her for this because she's not framed as like a sex symbol in movies in the way that we expect for women a lot of times, because there's something there's sort of like a a weird sort of like frisson between being someone so beautiful and also just being so goofy and so funny and so assertive that yeah i mean so i i wonder like what you think about um i guess how how we think about um attraction and how we think about you know beauty and attractiveness 
on screen and like how that interacts with just the way that people are like framed in terms of the characters that they play because you know she's not she plays a lot of characters who are I think kind of takes on hot girl characters but she plays them in such a sort of like funny broad way that they no longer feel like they are the hot girl anymore does that make sense (laughs) (laughs) I think you're seeing I think you're seeing some of the like eccentricity that is actually kind of maybe even endemic to being hot like being hot kind of like (laughs) being hot kind of makes you weird maybe um (laughs) she 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 does look like uh she is descended from like european royalty or something (laughs) um if you had if you told me that she was like oh that's you know that's a princess so and so you're like oh yeah totally i totally buy that um yeah and yeah and i think i think there is like um maybe what you're getting from her is almost like a projection of how someone like that has to either you know find find a personality beyond uh beyond just looking good uh Mm. and being admired and then also sort of (laughs) deal with the uh deal with the feelings of being that person who's like hot and admired and be like well i don't want to just be that i want to um I want to play with that and I want to uh, distort it and uh, surprise people. And I think she's always surprising and, and something I've said to people that I uh, am very attracted to is that like, I, um, I love that. I never know what you're going to say. Like, I just, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's always, it's always a shock um, and a delight. And that's the feeling I get from her. Yeah, because I mean, she walks a very interesting line, especially in a lot of these Mel Brooks movies where, I mean, so she's this, you know, classically beautiful woman who is like a, a, a trained operatic soprano, uh, you know, who she, you know, if it were the 1930s and we were still making films of, you know, operettas, she could easily be just kind of like a, a straight leading lady. And oftentimes, you know, Mel Brooks is like playing on the tropes of these kinds of characters, um, you know, having her seeing like, Oh, sweet mystery of life in in Young Frankenstein. She's doing like the sort of like Jeanette McDonald thing, but she's constantly subverting these expectations of like what this kind of woman is. And yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a really she's in a very like fascinating spot for me as an actor because it's like she could play these roles straight, but she's got this sort of like quick comedic mind where her impulse is to undercut them, you know? Absolutely. I mean, she feels like a performer of, she still feels like a performer of that, the older era. Like it, it has that, Mm -hmm. you said burlesque, I would even say like, like she has the vaudevillian Mm -hmm. um, instinct that I think is huge in the, in the Brooks movies. And I, I, and I was just occurring to me watching it last night that it's, that they were, they were closer in time to the thing that they were parodying than we are to when they made this movie. It's like, you know, 40 years difference to 50 years difference. And, and I think Mm -hmm. that. I don't know, that perspective um, helped me understand a little bit more that like, oh, they were really kind of came up in that milieu and like understood the the rhythms and the um, and the tropes in mm-hmm. such a way that they could. Uh, I mean, you're seeing them like you're seeing them handle them like a like star basketball players. And it's just it's just mind blowing. Like, I, I don't know that you could get a performer who has has this sense of like timing and um, mm-hmm. and, and the comedic beats that they do are just 
yeah, they feel, they really do feel like from, from that era. And, you know, that extends mm-hmm. all the way to like the sets in the movies and everything, like yeah. everything looks so lovingly crafted to be exactly that expressionistic style that like, you know, it, that really existed in the old James Whale movies. And mm. I don't know if they bring it to life. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, you know, Mel Brooks got very lucky in finding this uh, relationship with Madeline Kahn. Cause like, I think it would be difficult to find too many performers who so sort of like instinctively understood those older styles. I mean, like, you know, he certainly had it throughout his career. Like, I mean, the 2000 year old man routine with Carl Reiner. I mean, that could be, you know, that could be on broad or on uh, vaudeville in like the thirties or, you know, when he was doing it, you know, in the sixties and, you know, she, I've seen her do performances of like 10 pan alley songs where she like performs them straight. She's not doing any sort of like, you know, meta commentary on them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you could see her being in like the dames of 1938 on Broadway and (laughs) that she would fit in perfectly. (laughs) So, yeah, I think there was like a real felicity of like, you know, an actor and a writer director, like finding each other and like understanding the, the references that they were working with and then being able to make this, you know, comedic masterpiece. Yeah. She could have been in like a, she could have been in like a Marx brothers movie if she, if she were around back then, you know, it's no problem. So, Michael, you said that you saw this for the second time recently, yes? This is my second viewing, yes. So what was uh, your impression of the movie? Honestly, the so the first time, uh, I'm looking back at my notes. The first time, I don't think I was in the right mind headspace at all. The jokes are very <laughs> fucking dumb, and I don't know. I was in a bad mood. Uh, so the shit flew right over my head. And, you know, I'm, I'm not watching this for the first time as, as like, a teen or, like, a, a young person. I am a 31-year-old uh, a broken man um so uh i was not in like a whimsical kind of mood and today i like i needed to fucking start my day off with something dumb and light and i was like all right let me watch this really close to when we record so that uh i can be very very honest and uh, my god i really enjoyed myself um i took note of how i was feeling the first time um so I really enjoyed it, um, especially because I, I feel like I haven't had a terribly uh, close relationship with uh, Mel Brooks' style of comedy, and it informs so much of the stuff that I do love, I believe. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it this time around. Um, I know we're talking about Madeline Kahn, to, so I paid attention to her specifically, but if I'm being really, really honest, I could not take my eyes off of Cloris Leachman the entire time, and I feel like I I can't watch this movie a second time and talk about this movie to the public without mentioning uh, Cloris Leachman and her amazing face. Um, she is, uh, so fucking funny and she represents a certain kind of comedic performer that I find uh, not even comedic performer. Um, cause what she's giving in this movie reminds me of, uh, you know, the, the Wicked Witch of the West, my first big <laughs> attraction. Um, Margaret Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, since I was like three years old, um, 
So I don't know. I I'm I'm <laughs> I'm still trying to like understand the the different flavors of attraction because Madeline Kahn definitely gave me. Um, I remember when I was like little and I would go to like take your kid to work day or whatever. And <laughs> I'd meet one of my mom's friends and I'd be like, who's this old, who's this lady? Hello. <laughs> um, who's this well put together woman in a pantsuit? Um, that's like kind the of the energy. Kid, like holding out for a handshake and like, nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a, I was a professional boy. Um, Handing out business cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had business cards. <laughs> Yeah, I had my little construction paper business cards. I made sure I'll be eighteen to twelve years. Give me. A I got call. them shits out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's kind of the energy that Madeline Kahn gave me in this movie. Um, and I, I, I'm definitely into it. But uh, I mean, Cloris Leachman as the uh, intimidating housekeeper. I mean, I, I can't well, override I that attraction. Miles have a little bit of overlap here because, yeah, Cloris Leachman, I think, is the the more obviously um, in, intense uh, person in this movie. But, you know, Miles was talking about that loving the don't touch the hair, don't touch the nails. The yes. taffeta, the taffeta. Yeah. I think that there is something to these these withholding women <laughs> or these oh, yes. uh, authoritarian oh, yeah. women. <laughs> There's something well, going on there. When a woman is in control, that's hot. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> So, so neither of you were looking at Terry Gar's character and being like, "That's the one." Nah, I mean, she's a beautiful woman, beautiful, yeah. sexy performer. But, um, I feel like, I mean, I, I feel like that's the obvious. That's the obvious route. Oh man, this is like healing a lot of stuff for me from like my teenage years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can't say she's not a pleasure to look at, but no, she's beautiful. She's I'm absolutely not. stunning. Yeah. <laughs> She's funny. She's hilarious. But ooh, hearing hearing people are attracted to uh, the the slightly more spiky women is uh, really oh, undoing yes. a lot of stuff that I thought I at like, uh, fourteen. I like that term. I like a spiky woman. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Some texture. How was your day? Not good. Okay. Tell me about it. Tell me a story. I did. I did have a crush on um, a barista who when i would say when i whenever i would say oh how's it going she would she would answer honestly do you know that kind of person <gasps> yes <laughs> that's so hot and i was always like oh my god she didn't just say like i'm fine or like do you know okay? like she was you know if her day was going shitty she like she said it's it like, and i was like oh, oh my god that's uh <laughs> Yeah, that's that is the kind of woman that I'm attracted to as well. I think especially because like I'm like a, from the south. I'm a people pleaser. Like I'm always like everything's great. Yeah, so, <laughs> oh, the woman is just like no. I feel like shit. Shut up. I'm like oh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I'm not gonna blow nobody's spot up by saying this, but like uh, the oh, I I feel that so hard. Um, whenever. <laughs> Oh God, this must be why I had so many like, all right. I used to have a crush on one of my professors in college. And I remember when my crush on her was so intense, when it was at its most intense, when it was at its peak, uh, it was Valentine's Day and she was going through like her divorce. Um, and it was Perfect. like bad. Divorces are not great. She's like late forties. Like she's, oh God, she was my, I think women's lit professor, obviously. 
and God, every detail is just fucking this... <laughs> and like me and this guy who uh like who shall remain nameless i will protect his identity um <laughs> we were like yo like she's going through like a really rough time like and we both like had like outrageous fucking crushes on her and so we were like, yo, dude, you know what we should do? Like, let's fucking write her a Valentine's Day card and then bring it to her in her class. Oh, no. Bro, oh, let's God. fucking do it, bro. Like, let, let her know. And so we wrote her about like Valentine's Day cards, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in like a like a, the romantic style because she was that's what she taught us. Yeah, I was, um, was going to ask if it referenced uh, the syllabus in any way. So Yeah, it referenced uh, the Sturm and Drang period. Um, was it in verse? It was it was not in verse. Um, it was kind of uh, my style very much back then was with like all forms of uh, like writing to people was very much uh, evocative of the sorrows of young Werther. Uh, and really uh, yeah, I, you know, was very clear with how she like my attraction to her as a person and instructor and like also like how much I appreciate like what like what she does so it was a valentine's day card but kind of like sincere uh like hey thank you for what you've done um and we both wrote that to her and like gave it to her in class oh, in she, class in we, we like oh god it in retrospect <laughs> bad idea um oh my god michael yeah we thought we were doing like a nice thing and she received it as a nice thing mm-hmm. but she was going through like a rough time in her life. And so she like took the card and then smiled and then put her hand to her face and then started to cry. <gasps> and she's oh like, she's, she was basically like, thank you. <laughs> you don't know. Uh, there's just certain ways that, uh, uh i haven't felt in a while um and that's when i knew i was in way over my head i didn't know what the (laughs) fuck she was talking about um i don't know what button i pressed i don't uh yeah it was it was uh it was a moment and that was uh yeah i i i I recognized in that moment i was probably 20 years old i was like oh there's a lot i need to learn (laughs) um at least you could share the blame for that incident yeah 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 god oh Oh. my but listen i mean i I get it to to tie things back to madeline khan please do please do i do think that like one of the things that's like so appealing about her as a performer is that like she's so good at like accessing these sort of like deep emotions whether she's like you know feeling them or just like representing them because she's like playing like a mood that is you know is a a movie Mm. cliche or something and then like switching between them so quickly like I you know I thought about that moment in Young Frankenstein where she's like and you shut your big mouth oh I think I'm in love with him and like yes so (laughs) similar to this moment in Paper Moon where she got the Oscar nomination for Paper Moon um the Peter Bogdanovich movie where she's got this like beautiful monologue where she's talking to Tatum O'Neill and it starts out with her like walking up this hill to get to Tatum O'Neill. And at one point she like her shoe hits the wrong thing. She's like, Oh, we can get you some 
you know, cartoons. We'll get you some Mickey Mouse cartoons. Do you like the Mickey Mouse? And then her like heel breaks. She goes, oh, son of a bitch. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, immediately goes back in to be like, so, honey, how are you? Oh, the deep <laughs> feeling, the whiplash. I yeah, love it. She does the whiplash. It's <laughs> such oh, a pleasure. God. Like, yeah, it, it, it is the discovery of the thing that is like kind of simmering underneath. Yeah. that just explodes in that moment mm. that, it, that it's so funny and it, it, yeah and I, I think you even get it twice in the when the creature is like leaving after they've had sex because <laughs> because first they're like very lovey-dovey then she gets mad and then she goes right back to being like i can't get him out of my head you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that that's something that like you look for in comedy miles like that sort of like layering of emotions in that yeah you know comedy i think people think of it as such a um just you just play the archetype and that's that's the joke mm. and like the character always has to like respond as though um as that they always have to match that kind of like cliche or stereotype they're embodying mm -hmm. I, I think i think a lot of like tv writing is bad in that sense and like characters become very one note because they are just suspected they are just expected to fulfill the parameters of like what how that character would behave mm -hmm. and so yeah. when you see when you see madeline you know I, either you know in the in the paper moon scene you were mentioning or or this scene where she's like discovering that she actually loves having sex with the, like the big dick creature. Uh, <laughs> uh, she is, yeah, she, she, she is, seems like she's surprising even herself. Yeah. Um, which is, which is delightful. And, and, and yeah, it, it the character you, you're seeing the character sort of realize that they have other sides of themselves that they didn't know about. Mm. Um, which feels so human and so true. And, and so, actually comical because <laughs> you know in the comedy of life like the the things you find out about yourself are you know are, are often strange and bewildering and <gasps> aren't they you terrifying. see that on her face in the moment oh what a joy oh yeah and well speaking of uh the big dick monster I, so i mean she's got that great you know bit where she's you know acting out sort of like the 1930s you know performance of like oh no don't come near me don't come near me and then he drops trow and she's like Woof. did you guys when you were like watching this as kids like did you have like any understanding of like what was happening in that scene um i had like a minimal understanding i think i, I th you know it's a dick joke but you when she says woof you're like i don't think as a kid you understand that that's like a like i'm about to change my mind sort of comment right. like you read it as a reaction to the dick and you're like okay well we already had the joke earlier about like He'll have to have a gigantic. Uh, I don't even can't oh, even yeah. attempt the German she does there, but Offenschlüger <laughs> or whatever, like yeah. whatever nonsense word they made up. Um, so yeah, you just you just know that she's like, you see her kind of uh, her attitude just totally shift. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I didn't quite get that she was like a size queen in that in that <laughs> scene the first time I saw it. Yeah, because I think I was 13 or 14 when I first saw this movie. And, you know, at the time, I was, like, such a, like, nerdy little virgin. And I was like, 
I like I kind of got it intellectually what was happening, but yeah, watching it again as an adult, like God, the shit between her and the monster is so funny. Like just seeing like all the cliches played out with them like smoking the cigarettes and yeah. you know, her saying like, Oh, just seven or eight times and you walk out the door. Like, <laughs> all these things that like didn't really one, mean though. anything to me as a kid. <laughs> God. Oh yeah, there's there's no fucking way I would have like it, had I watched these as a youth, there's there's no way I would have gotten that any of those jokes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, even the even the little things where she's like, "Oh, you're incorrigible," you know, like when she thinks he wants to fuck again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. Oh man, even as you like get to like know, you know, movies and like the the you know technical aspects of movies better. That there's like you know the the iris in with the heart shape. Like when it comes back to them laying in bed, it's like what a like dumb joke, but it's so yeah. funny. Like it really got me this time around. <laughs> And that he's like seemingly no longer afraid of fire once he's fucked. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And like the ending that like I think when I was a kid, like, you know, him like reading the newspaper with his glasses on, like, yeah, like at the time. Journal. Yeah, yeah. As a kid, I was like, okay, I guess this is kind of funny. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, that he's like this wife of mine, she's always wanting to fuck. <laughs> and that she I, I love that even the weird like corny domesticity she performs is like totally at odds with like the character as you're introduced to her in the beginning she's like yeah. the hamper for poopy underwear you know yeah <laughs> and then comes out and does her little dance oh my god her move where she flips off her shoes and they like fly behind her like oh yeah. she's such uh, a like amazing got, physical comedian uh, the mart the marge simpson hair she i think the hottest thing she does in the movies is she comes out and just hisses yes the bride <laughs> of frankenstein hiss yes yeah. oh it's so good <laughs> Oh my like gosh. Why, well, Miles, do you remember? Oh, go ahead. Hair. Why the giant hair and the hissing is just hot to me. <sighs> I, I can't even analyze that. I don't know what's going on there. Listen, even in the like original Bride of Frankenstein, when she's got like that hair and she does the hiss, I'm like, yeah, it's okay. Go on. Honestly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's get a little more of this. <laughs> Freaky movie. Oh, so good. But so, do you remember like the first movie crush that you ever had? Um, I mean, I would go back and say, probably, I, I mean, the Marissa Tomei thing is so obvious, but I think yeah. it was probably that, I think I'd mentioned Sarah Michelle Gellar and Cool Intentions. All, these are all like mm. things I saw at puberty that were like, yeah, that is the, <laughs> that is the ideal woman right there. Uh, um, sort of like, can be sort of like mean and caustic, but, um, yeah, and are like specifically, well, I guess I guess in Criminal Touches it's like you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to, she's the villain right like right <laughs> uh, so I uh, yeah I always always drawn to always drawn to the bad girl I guess mm. um, or you know kind of like the secondary yeah the I was always um, early, from very early on I was into brunettes and I think I came mm. of age also at a time when all the all the kind of leading romantic women were blonde like in the nineties. Yeah. Maybe early 2000s and brunette brunettes were kind of like uh either like supporting character coded or mm -hmm. <laughs> or villain coded or whatever right. um god and, we white brunettes yeah. have been so oppressed isn't that crazy yeah. someone's gotta <laughs> do something <laughs> so i decided to we're become finally their getting our savior. own uh, yeah. Thank you so much, Miles. I'm glad someone can finally appreciate us <laughs> white women with brown hair. Uh, 
There should be a... a mm. <laughs> no, but it is so true. It is so funny, like, looking back at some of, like, the popular movies of that time and realizing that, like, yeah, even it's like, well, she is white, but she's got brown hair. So. That shit that shit made me so fucking angry uh, when, as a youth. Because uh, I grew up not really knowing that there was this thing of, like, blondes and brunettes. Like, I knew you could have blonde hair, but, like, the <laughs> culture of blondes and brunettes, I just, I did not understand it. And I was just like, damn, white people. Like, y'all got to oppress, like, yourselves? Y'all look for any reason to fuck, like gingers are a whole other fucking thing and i'm like <laughs> like why is this why is this a thing why are we fucking i don't know you're still oppressed yeah yeah to this you know, day it, <laughs> it's really hard i think i've told this story before about how i was in um a holding room for an audition one time and i overheard some people talking about an actor who had moved from new york to la and they're like well, he is Italian, so he's a little too ethnic for oh LA. Oh, my God. Disgusting. Oh my God. Disgusting. Now, Miles, you are like an LA oh. guy, yes? Uh, yeah, I've lived here since 2016, but I'm from New Jersey. I'm from kind of uh, like where the opening credits of The Sopranos take place. Oh, oh hell yeah. So have What's you up, uh, seen this anti-Italian sentiment <laughs> in LA? <laughs> Um, I, I, I think I have seen some Italian, Italians here. My girl, my girlfriend is Italian, so, um, oh. so she's doing fine, but she's not in show business, so. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to yeah. say, send her our I blessings, because it's, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I mean, since I brought up The Sopranos, I know, I, I, a lot of those guys, uh, you know, they were just, like, really struggling, like, New York actors, and, like, they mm -hmm. didn't live in LA. Like, they were just casting them all out over there, so. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the if if the Italian actor community should just stay on the East Coast <laughs> and try to make it in crime films over there. <laughs> just hope another Sopranos comes along. <laughs> yeah, someday. Well, so okay, so a lot of your crushes, uh, you know, respond in this uh, beginning of puberty period. How have you found that your movie crushes specifically have changed over time? Like from when, you know, you first started recognizing oh. them to now as like an actual adult person. <laughs> Such a good question. Mm -hmm. uh, I, this is going to be, this is going to reveal me as sort of like vanilla and boring, but I don't think they've <laughs> changed. <that much> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Consistency like, is good. Uh, it, this feels this feels like uh this feels like admitting that like missionary position is really good. Um <laughs> but it is again, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. <laughs> uh I'm trying to think of like the recent uh God, what's like a recent movie crush? I see, I don't this is the other thing, like I don't know if I really approach movies with like the crush sensibility as much as I mm -hmm. did when I was a kid, you're like Sure. Um certainly Certainly when I'm 14 years old, I want to uh, put on my DVD of Dogma and pause <laughs> yeah. during Selma Hayek's script scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably did that a lot too much. Um, but I, yeah, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to conceive of having like a similar relationship to like someone on screen now. I don't know if that's also like a, a, um, a factor of like living in LA and now I know a lot of people in the business. Yeah. And I, I, I don't, it takes some of the magic out of, <laughs> movies that you're kind of like start thinking about the technical side of it and how someone was cast and, and right uh you know what was involved in this shoot and you know what uh 
just yeah just everything that goes all the hard work that goes into making a mm-hmm. movie and um it it feels i don't know uh I, I i guess i have less of the kind of like like heart in throat like reaction mm-hmm. to like the character that comes on screen that i'm like who who is that <laughs> um yeah so i i don't want it, that, that sounds like a little little downer kind of thing i still do I'm, of course i'm still very attracted to movie stars like i think we sure. are um no but i think that's but, real i mean i've dated yeah. enough actors at this point that i think that now i have a real separation between like the attraction that comes from like the alchemy that occurs when like a character meets an actor i mm. still find that very attractive yeah but having dated so many actors i'm like actors eh. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you can't help thinking that they were like jerks in real life yeah i'm like oh my god they're probably like you know working on you know their social media presence like oh, they no, probably it's... have not read a book in a very long time <laughs> oh i you know what i will go back um i just glanced at my letterbox because i wanted to remember if there was anything recently and i mm. did do a horny tweet about infinity pool which is maybe fucked Ooh. up um, but which have I haven't watched it? that yet. No, I not yet. I don't want to. So we spoil have a, a Cronenberg episode coming up soon. The oh, wonderful! Cronenberg Senior. Um, <laughs> I see. So Mia Goth is in this movie and is mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. Which is not. Yes. Hundred percent agree. Of course. Yeah, she seems to be going for like the Isabella Johnny sort of oh, horror yeah, queen yeah. role, and she, and she very early on in the movie sort of um, uh, dominates Skarsgård which love. also hot um <laughs> so yeah i again i love that i love that sense of danger and threatening uh quality in a woman spiky mm. <laughs> love it we love a spiky woman well okay so michael if you had to pair young frankenstein with another movie for a double feature or if you were just doing a recommendation for someone who likes young frankenstein what would you do Okay, so I'm thinking a lot. I've been racking my this is this is the the a tricky part of this is the trickiest part of the show sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um I have been racking my brain with this because I was like, I don't know what's obvious. Like initially I was gonna be like Bride of Frankenstein, that's easy peasy. <laughs> yes. But as we've talked more about Madeline Kahn and the kind of archetype that she represents, mm-hmm. um, I have found myself looking into the uh rich girl poor boy genre. Of, of film <laughs> um and so uh after great deliberation uh my recommendations to pair which they're not gonna make sense um <laughs> but maybe we can help me understand why i feel like magic mike three um Ooh. with so, like sama hayek plays a very rich powerful woman in this movie mm-hmm. and as i watched the the movie I, I did fall asleep during parts of it but when Sama Hayek was up there, I was very much awake. And seeing her, like, she's rich as shit. Um, and she's, like, pristine. She's well put together. She's like, oh, I'm going to put on a strip show in a fucking theater. Um, and I'm going to do that because I have all this money. And she's, like, 50-something years old. And she's yeah. going after poor little Channing Tatum. I don't know. <laughs> It fucking really did it for me. And as we were talking about Madeline Kahn and that kind of archetype, uh, this is what came to mind. Um, also, Dirty Dancing, but I don't, I don't know. It, Ooh. I don't know why that is. I think it's just Jennifer Grey. But 
I love I'm it. I'm going to say Magic Mike 3 is my pairing <laughs> with Young Frankenstein This at this point in history. That's a fun one. I like that. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Miles, do you have any ideas about if you were to do a double feature or a recommendation, what you would say? Um, I mean, again, I'm going back to that like theater kid cast party thing because <laughs> I can't think of something other than Clue that would, that Clue would go perfect. Yes. so well with this. Like, um, I think it is the combination of not only like, um, it's not only like a similar style, but playing with genre. Uh, it's also set in a big spooky house on the hill. Um, you know, if you wanted to go like if you wanted to go like straight horror with this, I think like the haunting of Hill house would actually be really fun. Um, but if you want just like a silly time and you want the silly times to continue, like, uh, I'm sure I was at more than one party where we did these two. We did (laughs) young Frankenstein and clue back to back because, and then we, and then we probably watched noises off, which you could also do. Yes. (laughs) Mm, Very good. Oh my God. That is classic high school theater. (laughs) Yep. yep. There's, There's only five movies. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Shelley? Oh well, mine, I, you know, we kind of covered it earlier and I think it's kind of obvious, but I would do um, Paper Moon, the 1973 Peter Bogdanovich movie, um, because I do think that she's playing a kind of similar character in some ways, this sort of highly strung, you know, pretty girl. Uh, she does a lot of the same sort of like actor tricks in it, but to like yeah. a totally different end. I mean, she's playing pure comedy in Young Frankenstein. And she has a really kind of like both funny, but very moving character in Paper Moon. And, you know, it's no, no shock that she was Oscar nominated for it. Cause I mean, her, her monologue scene, especially the one where she says, do you like the Mickey Mouse? Oh, shut up, bitch. It, okay. that's, it's such a great scene. <laughs> I think that <laughs> your a growl she makes is so hot. It's but, fucking uh, incredible. <laughs> you're like, Oh, God. that's where like the animal is coming out. <laughs> Your description of that scene made me put that on my list already. So I'm, I'm glad. Thank you for the reminder. Um, oh, yeah. This is a question that I have. Um, is she in the last picture show? No. Or is, Okay, so it's just Cloris Leachman who's in that one. Yeah, no, I, I okay. don't believe she's... She did uh, a few movies with Bogdanovich. She did okay. um, Paper Moon and um, What's Up, Doc. Okay, okay. But... But no, no last picture show. Yeah, like, I, I don't focus think. on those. Oh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a rewatch anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely always worth going down the 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 Bogdanovich uh, filmography. Yeah. Always some good stuff to check out. Well, before we wrap things up, we do have a little game, and I am pulling Excellent. up my questions. Okay, anyway, here we go. <laughs> so this game is the Madeline Khan. Or Madeline Kant quiz. Oh, very good title. <laughs> Thank you so much. So our girl Madeline, she had several projects uh, which she was either fired from or quit. What? Or they just didn't end up uh, seeing the light of day. And so all of these questions are related to those kinds of projects. Wow. Oh, very cool. So they run the gamut throughout her career. Uh, if you want to answer, just say your name. I will call on you. Uh, that's how you buzz in. And again, Miles, as we said at the the top of the episode, this is very stupid. So <laughs> get ready for the Madeline Kahn or Madeline Kant quiz. Question number one. Madeline Kahn 
was fired from the 1974 film adaptation of the musical Mame, starring this comic legend. Who starred in the movie of Mame? Couldn't even begin to visualize what Mame is. She loves stomping on grapes. (laughs) Oof! I'm like, I'm trying to imagine a set. Band leader. Like a a little ghost question mark is uh, forming in my brain right now. Her Um, and her TV show. Her best friend was Ethel. Ethel, uh, uh, Lucille Ball, uh, Michael. Oh, Lucille Ball. oh, did you did you buzz in? Michael, Michael yeah. buzz buzz buzz. Lucille Ball. That was Lucille Ball. Lucille oh, Ball God. starred in the 1974 film adaptation of Mame. Uh, originally, Madeline Kahn was supposed to play the role of Gooch, uh, but apparently there were artistic differences, so she was Gooch <laughs> no more. Yeah, I don't want to play nobody yeah. named Gooch. <laughs> I can make me Gooch. What the fuck? Had a, had a different interpretation of Gooch. <laughs> uh, beautiful job, Michael. Beautiful job. Madeline Kahn nice was job. not Gooch. <laughs> Number two. Preserve the brand. <laughs> Number two. Khan provided a voice for the never released 1997 animated film, The Magic Seven. The cast included Michael J. Fox, Ted Danson, Ice T, Jeremy Irons, yes! Demi Moore, and James Earl Jones. Stacked. Whoa. Stacked. 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 However, the star was this SCTV legend who was co-owner of the Toronto Argonauts. Ooh, I don't know if I know, but um, I'll I'm I'll Mike. try. It. I'll give it. A, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, Miles. Um. Miles, uh, mm-hmm. Rick Moranis. Ooh, I was gonna guess that. Ah, Michael, we have used uh, the trivia about the Argonauts in a previous episode. Mm. Someone from SCTV. Look, I don't fucking remember anything, but I'm gonna yeah. take a stab. <laughs> um, uh, Michael, uh, John Candy. Number two for Michael. Wow. Those are the John only two Candy guys I know. Was the co-owner of the Toronto Argonauts. Ooh, and he was in in this uh movie that never was seen. God. Number three. What a shame. I uh that cast is insane. Oh what my God. was the budget for this movie? Ice T and James Earl Jones and Demi Moore, my favorite three actors in the same movie. <laughs> Get the fuck Mike out of here. Three. I was just watching New Jack City last week. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh. Someday uh. we are going to talk New Jack City and I can't wait. Oh, we got to talk Ice T. <laughs> oh. And I'm going to talk like Ice T the whole episode. <laughs> Might be distracting. Just describing new drugs on the street. Yeah. <laughs> what they do. It'll be perfect. They got this Number thing three. called crack. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Sorry. Enough, enough. Kids call it arc or not. Kids call up. (laughs) Okay. In in 1986, Khan starred in a never aired ABC pilot named after this shape shifting chameleon. Mm. Hmm? Shape shifting. This is like a famous shape shifting chameleon. Yeah. What's a what's a 
What's a lizard that changes? Oh, wait. Shit. Oh, no. I meant the shape-shifting lizard. It's a chameleon. It's a chameleon. (laughs) Okay. No points for anyone. Actually, points for both of you because I fucked up. That was my fuck up in writing the question. (laughs) Hey, Shelly, this is is a dumb game. You can give yourself points. I think you deserve some points. Okay, so I think we all three have points on this one. Plenty of points to go around. The points are endless. So I don't know what we're doing, and- <laughs> hoarding points. We're like, we're on question number three. Uh, so far, Michael's got three points, uh, <laughs> including from this last question. Miles has one point from this last question. Just, pit- and just one I- pity point. <laughs> and I, as the quiz master, have a pity point from this question. <laughs> Miles, I'm going to give you one of my points so that we're equal. And Ooh, we- yes. Yeah. All right. So we both have two points. Very very gracious. Thank you. Of course. I'm not gracious. It's just what's fair. This is how society should work, in my opinion. (laughs) Michael is a socialist, as we should all be. (laughs) Question number four. Khan either withdrew or was fired from this 1978 Cy Coleman musical adaptation of a Howard Hawks screwball comedy. Ugh. Oof. Ah, uh, she was replaced by Judy Kay, who won great reviews. But she was also nominated, Madeline Kahn was, for the Tony Award that year for this show. And it's about a train. It's a train, and they, the title says that they're on said train. And I, it's not I mean, the 19th century. Ooh, wait a minute. <laughs> the only train I can think of is not comedy so i'm not gonna say it <laughs> wait a minute i'm just gonna guess the title um mm-hmm. michael uh is the title of this uh on on the train on something ah on hmm? on on the choo-choo train they're not on the 19th century <laughs> but they're on a different century <laughs> They're not on the 19th century. 20th century. No. Not 19, and they're not on the 21st century. They're on the 13th century. They're not on the 19th or 21st. Not on the 19th. or There's many other use, centuries they could be on, though. On the, on some, the 20th century express. I'm going to leave out si- express. And yes, Miles, you got it. It's on the 20th <laughs> <I> century. <laughs> got to see on the 20th century express because I loved the Polar Express. <laughs> <laughs> There's no express in the name, but it's oh. a very good musical. On the 20th century, well, Miles got, gets it. <laughs> someone's got to make On the 20th Century Express. That sounds like a good yeah. title for something. It, this is that... this was the prequel to uh, Snowpiercer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I love the Howard Hawks <laughs> precursor to Snowpiercer. <laughs> and then Snowpiercer is the prequel to the Polar Express. Boom! Franchise, cinematic universe, shared cinematic universe. We're pumping them out here at Everyone Is Hot. (laughs) Michael, you were so kind to give a point to Miles because now Miles is in the lead. That's okay. We've got two to three Miles in the lead. (laughs) Number five. This is our last question. Uh, If Michael gets it, uh, we're gonna be in trouble because then you guys will be tied, and (laughs) I don't have another question. So, um. Michael, do your best to not get this right. Number five. For this film, Khan was replaced by Laverne and Shirley's Cindy Williams, only for Khan to once again replace Williams when her schedule cleared up for filming. Wild. 
could be anything. Could be anything. It's a very familiar film to us on this episode. Oh, Ding Dong, uh, Michael oh. Ding Dong. Oh, Michael, go ahead. Ding Dong. Miles Ding Dong. Wait. Miles Ding Dong. I am Miles is buzzing in, even though Miles. Yes. Oh, so is Miles. Hi. Hi. Uh, I'm gonna guess Clue. Miles, you're killing me here. Sorry. Michael, you want a Ding Dong? Michael, you I'm gonna it. guess Young Frankenstein. It's Young Frankenstein. Okay. <laughs> wow. They tried to screw. They tried to stop the black man, and yet, <laughs> and yet the black man. Uh, Still, still done did it. Um, wow. He did. He did done did it. Oh. <laughs> I think we just kind of have to. Actually, listen, I've got one point and I'm going to give it away. And I'm giving it to Miles. I'm sorry, Michael. Wow. Mm. I'm sorry. Mm. This is mm. uh, reverse affirmative action and I don't approve of it. <laughs> it's about time that white men had some opportunities on this podcast. Uh, reverse affirmative action, just the world, baby. That's how it goes. Uh. <laughs> Oh, Gosh. it's a sad story told again and again. <laughs> oh, this is an educational podcast. Um, maybe so, yeah, maybe y'all learned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're we're right wing podcast. Um, so. <laughs> glad, glad I learned that at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By you don't want to tell you ahead of time, just in case you're going to pull out. <laughs> oh god, it's in the can now. <laughs> now we're done so <laughs> just so you know <laughs> all right all right I'll, oh get, my I'll, get my I'll get my notes apology ready yeah exactly start <laughs> drafting it now we'll let you know before it goes up so you can post it <laughs> <laughs> notes apology oh well this was so much fucking fun oh my god miles thank you so much for coming thank you oh, so thank much you. miles <laughs> this was a pleasure and so where can uh the listeners find you and do you have anything exciting coming up that they should look out for uh, I am at Miles Clee on Twitter if you want to keep up with me. Um, I write for Rolling Stone uh, on an ongoing regular basis. You can find my work there. Uh, it ranges from very serious to very stupid. Uh, <laughs> today I posted an article about um, uh, people who piss in the sink uh, because <laughs> there's a whole online community of people who do that, unfortunately. What? Oh, no. Yeah. So go check that out um and you know uh, d down the line uh, i would like to have a third and maybe fourth book someday so uh that is very far in the future so don't don't get your hopes up for that now but you know just something to look forward to <laughs> amazing and michael where can people find us y'all can find us on all social media at everyone is hot pod that's every number one is hot pod and uh yeah if you're listening to us on apple Podcasts, if you want Rate us five stars. Anything less than that is totally acceptable, honestly. Um, no. Yeah. No, it's not. Just, yeah, be be, be honest with yourself. Um, no. Give us honest feedback. Be dishonest. Even if you don't like it, <laughs> give it five. Or don't even bother. Okay? Oh, that's okay? a fair disagreement. Well, I think one thing we can agree on is what the listeners should do. Stay horny. Horny. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.